Welcome to Sky Sessions. We missed you last week, but we are back and a lot has happened. Five new cards have hit the game and 26 updates in the recent patch. Today it's myself, Blank Candle, Just Add Bacon, and Sidus. First things first, Sidus, you were sick last week. How are you feeling today? Uh, I'm feeling much better than last week. Good. How are you feeling? You're still on break, Bacon? Yep, still on break. Uh, not really doing too much. Got all these different side hustles I'm working on. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know the hustle game. <laughs> so what are we more excited about? Uh, the five new cards or the patch? Uh, so as it at the moment we are recording, actually the patch just went live uh, for a couple of hours. So uh, even though this is a huge patch, uh, I didn't have the chance to meet the uh, patched card in actual games. So I guess I have more things to say about new cards than the patch itself uh, in terms of playing experience. But they look pretty crazy, I would say. Yeah, I think... In a vacuum, I'm more interested in the patch than the brand new cards. Although I have some thoughts on both that uh, we'll get to. I think the patch is going to be really impactful on the meta. I think we're going to actually see some big changes right now. But I do feel like the new cards are all more impactful than most new cards that have been added to the game up to this point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I was just... Uh, do you have any... Uh, Skyweaver experiences you want to talk about this week, or should we just go straight into the new cards? Yo, uh, actually, earlier, before we start, oh, yeah. I, have, I have a question for both of you guys. Okay. Uh -huh. uh, so uh, we change our patching schedule from bi-weekly balance patch into monthly, but with a bigger change each patch. What do you guys think about this change? Handle, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, I'm pretty positive on it. In the most part, I feel like a couple... I think if they put, like, three cards in the last patch instead of zero, mostly Windland Biker and maybe one or two other cards in the last one, I'd be really happy with the big switches. Instead, they went with zero last patch. and I, But we did see, after three weeks, we did still see some meta shifts. We did see some new decks show up. And that's exciting because if we just do it every two weeks completely... You know, the best deck is going to shift every two weeks and then stay that way for maybe two weeks. But giving them people a month to play around is uh, more time to be creative. And I appreciate that part. Great. Bacon, your thoughts? I like it to the degree that it is done right. I think no changes in 115 was a flat out just mistake. At least as far as, like, balance is concerned. There could be other priorities that the team is worried about. Like, we have a limited number of devs and time that we can actually do stuff. And shipping a patch every two weeks, I don't know how many resources it takes, but it could be resource intensive. And they're like, we could use this time to make a better game overall, developing features or something. And so that could, like, be a reason. And if so, the Iris meta isn't the worst one to skip a patch on. But I really do need to ask, was it impossible to ship the biker change, like, just two weeks earlier? Like, you could have changed one card, and people would have at least, like, been a lot happier. I think, like, especially whenever, like, it was the first one, and it wasn't really clear what was happening. I know a lot of us were still expecting there to be card changes 
for one fifteen, and we didn't know until like 10 minutes before. We're like, hey, where's the stream, guys? And they're like, oh, no card changes today. Except they also like still kind of shipped a patch that like had content updates and like bug fixes, just not cards. So I don't really know how well the uh, resources theory holds up. Yeah, that make a lot of sense. Um, personally, uh, I, I I want to share my thought on another perspective because uh, I am more like a deck builder than a player myself. So uh, just as Bacon mentioned in uh, at some point in this the sky section, he also liked to deck building and he spent a lot of time uh, building his favorite deck and optimize, optimize it than playing it in the actual game. And that was exactly how I have been doing this year as well. So uh, now we have a four months to build uh, our ideal deck, but uh, we also have such big patch that when the patch uh, goes online, the, the deck you try to play in during the last month uh, most likely no longer work because the meta will change dramatically. So I find that I have been deck building, uh, spending even more time comparing to being able to play in actual games. And I'm not really sure if I like that or not. I guess it's too early to say, but uh, I do notice that <laughs> I don't have <laughs> as much time to play the game as before. I still enjoy the deck building, so. See, I spent oh, yeah. a lot of time in 114 deck building and innovating. I made like the... Uh... Was it the city deck that like would play Iron Mask or whatever? I made an Axel deck that uses like tireless iteration and uh like all kinds of Ancients Rise things or whatever. But like after 115, every game was just Iris, and I actually started feeling kind of agitated with deck building because it's like I was trying to go over try out this idea and then like I'm building it in the uh deck builder or whatever. I'm like, well, how am I going to beat this combo that Iris has? Oh, this prism can't do that. Well, I guess that idea is out the window. And that was particularly what made me the most upset with Iris. It has been such a long time, and it's kind of tiring to play against, but I also like deck building. And Iris is a deck that is built with every counter built in. So if you're trying out something new, and you you want to optimize it, you want to learn what it does good and what it does bad, you, can't, you, you hardly learn from an Iris game because you're like, okay... Well, they played Lightning Violent, played Righteous, they dusted my cards, you know, that was a counter for me. Or um, I built a board, they dashed everything down, that was a counter for me. Or, well, they put a lot of stats on the board right at once at late, that was kind of a counter for me. So they just had so many, and that's not, that's just a brief overline of some of the things they could do. But whatever tricky thing you were trying to accomplish, Iris already did it better. So it was hard to try and deck build against it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I find the only real advantage playing against Iris is that uh, I know, I know his build, her build perfectly, but he have no idea what my deck is about. <laughs> so, uh, for example, um, if I play a really hyper aggro deck that is not Vox, uh, this is possible with several heroes. For example, Sanya, Horik, Loy, and even Exo can run this kind of deck. And uh, let's say uh, you have a 3-3 body on your side, and your opponent, Iris, have a choice to play Biodeal and Furry, uh, each, each costing 3 mana and do different stuff. 
So uh, if you are if you are high hyper aggro build, uh, they should prefer instead of Biodeal to keep his hero uh more healthier. But he has no idea what your deck is about, so he might misplay. Uh, that's the only real advantage, but I, I think it's still a thing. Yeah, speaking of hyper, and this will actually segue us into new cards very nicely, I built a uh, fox deck that I don't know if it could have actually gone even with Iris, but out of the games I played, which were also mostly against people who are lower than like the rank I usually play at, uh, I did have a fox build with Bioluminary that could kind of just high roll through all of the Iris bullshit and kill them on like turn four. <laughs> <laughs> was a very cathartic feeling. <laughs> yeah. But I, I noticed that uh, Son of the Iris is starting to run Whisk away. <laughs> Just for <laughs> the bio uh, something, I, something. I wonder what balance cards that could be for. <laughs> Handle, you want to take us so, to the Sky Pass? To the Sky Pass? Uh, I don't know why we're going to the Sky Pass. The, the cards. They're, yeah, they're we'll go to the, the new... Oh, they're releasing the Sky Pass. I never noticed, because I've had all the cards unlocked. I unlock all the new cards in, like, 10 minutes it takes. I'm Handle, and I'm basically. an elitist who unlocks all the cards automatically. You have no knowledge of the common man. You know nothing. Yeah, I... I'm not, um... You're not part of the proletariat. <laughs> I'm bourgeois. Ah, God. We, that's such a confusing term because like anybody who reads that for the first time and they don't know how French works, they're going to be like, Bugazi, Burgoyes, <laughs> and like honestly, my knowledge of French is like negative, so those could also be correct pronunciations, and I would not know. <laughs> uh, let's go into the Sky Pass or the new cards. Um... Yeah. We'll start with Bioluminary, which you were bringing up. It's also, I think, the most powerful of the new cards. The other ones are good. I think all of these cards are strong contenders for best new card we've seen in a while. Um, Bioluminary is just really, really good and can cause some issues. It's super strong play early, especially if you can get, um, I don't know, like the buckler up on it. Um, you can get... an. Uh, ruin on it anything to boost it up and then you start and especially i'm running a earth you actually played against me today bacon but uh -huh. i was running an earth um fox which is an interesting deck and a lot of what it does is bioluminary stuff but the whole point of it even if you don't get that is to boost you know your cards with inspire effects and other effects that gain power gain life gain both and so if you can just throw Bioluminary in there, at some point things are just getting stronger, stronger, faster, faster. Yeah. Yeah. To elaborate on that game and uh, also just how good Bioluminary is, Blink Handle queued into me with Fox. I was playing a kind of mid-range mirror build. His opening turn, Double Potion, plays Bioluminary, plays Earthrune on it. It is now a 3-7, no, 4-7 with Anima, which is basically a... 2-5 at base, and then it just gets an extra plus 2, plus 2, because, you know, Anima. My response to this is to, on my turn, uh, what did I do? I played Casting You actually casted yeah, Curl into cast Bioluminary before I played my Bioluminary. Wait, you played yours on the 3? 
Yeah, uh, the game. I, I skipped the new play Castle uh, Chrome. The games and then are I running together. Luminary. I thought this was a different one. There was another one like I had to do like some. Uh, I have Ari's Insight casting Chrome and of course like actual Bioluminary in my deck. So you just rip it out and it's just a four seven with Flood for two mana. And uh, I got my Bioluminary first. He played his. I ran over his Bioluminary because I had tempo, and then I won the game. Yeah, this kind of reminds me. Uh, last uh during the last year when the meta is more doish, uh, we have uh stood up into Gracia combo and people are complaining about it, and it's a four mana four seven, and now we are having two mana four seven. So, yeah. <laughs> thing is really going crazy. Honestly, I don't know what to make of Bioluminary. It almost like how does Bioluminary get printed? the question because like just as a two mana one five that's already a very good stat line and it has like a useful ability too it's not the most useful but like i mean it does stuff but then like you know you slap anima onto a two cost unit with five health you're just getting that and then you know you have all of these like very obscene combos you can do you can literally just cast and chrome into it I also run bubbles in my deck because while it's not a two mana four seven, a two mana two four that also draws and maybe grows is still very good. And it's like, why why was this added to the game? Like, where was the thought that you know what we really need right now? We just had like a whole month where everybody was upset because we had these very volatile, cheap swings of power that could just completely dominate games as soon as they happened. What if we have one of those that can just like roll out on turn two. Yeah, uh, I have seen discussion about this in some private Discord, uh, related to Skyweaver, and I think we have reached a point that we just have too many cards in the game, but also too few people in the game design team. So, uh, when you print a card, you, you if you want to print it in a really balanced way, you kind of have to have an image of how the card will actually be used in actual games by the best players. And to us, that we Skyweaver is like our daily routine, so uh, casting Chrome into anything with Anima might seem very intuitive in our way. But uh, the dev, um, first, first thing first, they, they don't get to play uh, as much Skyweaver game as we do. And secondly, uh, when they try to look into balance issue, um, they will be looking into the game in a more statistical way, uh, other than the logical way that we deck builder usually try to uh, observe the game. So they might have very different perspective as we do. So um, I think this kind of, if we call it error, is very possible because their resources is really limited, so it's easy to forget that casting Chrome is a card that exists in, in the game, and also is very popular. Yeah, but I'm not just saying it, Mira. You also have, you know, Buckler. Uh, uh, there's plenty of things that pop a um, thing for one, or is that less mana? Dawn Blade. And a lot of them, yeah. A lot of them also give you um, other bonuses as well, like Fury or Shield or... Any number of things. Hell, so just think I, about... I think that just giving them the out that they didn't think a cast in Chrome isn't enough because there are enough ways to make that thing huge. 
for cheap. Yeah, enchantments are a fundamental, like, game design thing. Like, that's one of the most unique parts of Skyweaver, that, like, you have a universal set of things that can be attached to units. Like, that is unique. Not a lot of games have systems like that. And it's a core game design. But, like, even put all of that aside, just think about, like, Bioluminary on its own. If you play that on two mana and your opponent has no board, what are they looking at? They now have to immediately answer your unit with five health, otherwise you get a free plus three plus two. If you just, like, want to, you know, spend the three mana to get that. And, oh, wow, you have a four seven, it's turn three, you spent a little bit of mana, but, like, you know, it's a four seven on turn three, you don't care. And they don't even know that, like, that's what you're going for. Because if you just plop it down on turn two, they still have to answer it. What if they're holding Fire Rune? What if they are about to play Water Rune and then the Vapors and buff it up even more? What if they have, like, I don't know, hell, even, like, a Shock Paw or something stupid? There could be any number of ways that you could trigger the enchantment for free, and your opponent has to evaluate for that worst-case scenario, because as soon as that thing gets buffed up, it's going to start chonking your head in. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. Um, in the mathematical way of balancing, some game designer might uh, consider that if you have anything that combo with a certain card, uh, you kind of have to draw two of them together in your hand to in order to make land to work. And it's a lower possibility comparing to having something like tutor cards, such as Aris Inside, Casting Chrome, and Teleport, uh, because uh, you... You only need to draw any of them in order to make the combo to work. So that's the reason I say um, not uh, not considering casting chrome interaction is a much an error comparing to the other enchantment override mechanic. But mm -hmm. uh, I I do still agree that uh, if, even if you need to draw anything that can override the enchantment, this is still still very broken. Here, hang on. I've got I've got something else I need to elaborate on. A while back, somebody told me that like they really liked whenever I made a joke about like having the bacon bits section of each episode or whatever. That was not a usual segment, but today I'm bringing it back for something very important because I'm going to teach y'all people about Bayes rule. Uh, Sidus, you reminded me of this because you started talking about like statistics and like two card combos and such. Uh, Bayes rule is a bit of problem for that idea. So there is a way using math that isn't really important for me to explain where you can have priorities for some event and then you adjust your priorities for that event happening based off of other information. This is how like, uh, take an easy example. Women have such and such rates of getting like breast cancer or whatever. I think it's like 2% of U.S. American women will actually, like, get breast cancer in their lifetimes. The test for this has about, like, an 85% hit rate, but 15% of the time it fails. So you go get it once, and, like, you know, you might have some chance of having breast cancer. It's 2%, but then you'll have some result from the test. It could be right. It could be wrong. What you can do is that since you already have that extra information, you can actually, using math, figure out, okay, here's the odds of it being a false positive, I can go get another test, you can plug that probability back in, and you can get really, really good predictions with that. Why do I bring this up? 
Suppose your opponent plays Bioluminary on turn two. You do not know anything about their deck composition or what is in their hand, but you might think to yourself, they could either be holding something that is going to trigger the enchant or is not going to trigger the enchant. Now, if they had something that would trigger the enchant for free, would they have already played it? Depends. If it was possible for them to play it, they probably would have already done that unless they were worried about something like Whiskway. If you're talking about like Earthrune, Buckler Up, and you are not a Wisdom hero, they're probably just going to go on ahead and play that. However, if they are like a Fox or somebody, and you are not a Wisdom player, then you are going to see that Bioluminary, and you're going to go, okay, could they be holding something? Well, it would be very easy and very profitable for them to be holding a Dawnblade. Would they run that in their deck? Yes. What are the odds of them having Dawnblade in the opening hand? Normally, you would take Bioluminary and Dawnblade, and you would put them together to calculate that chance. But since we've already got the Bioluminary, you just take that as a given, because that's how statistics work. So, you've already seen the Bioluminary. The odds of them having a Dawnblade in the hand, I believe it's like anywhere from 15 to 18%. And uh, suddenly you're going, okay, that is about a fifth of the time that I get completely slacked and killed on turn four. I have to answer this now. I do not have a better choice. Does that make sense? Like I think it's pretty intuitive for most card players because card players have seen it so many times that like maybe if they don't understand the math, they understand the feeling they get when they get destroyed. Yeah. Look, just look up Bay's rule, uh, listeners. It is, first off, it's really cool. Because, like, we do all kinds of wacky things with Bayes' rule. It's how you, like, test evidence and series whenever you only have a range of probability. But also, you can use it to improve your game. All right, let's go on to the second card, <laughs> uh, Glen Guide. That is a two-cost. All of the new cards are two-cost. This is a 3-3 three, three air unit. So we're seeing another air unit for um, agility, which is a... Pretty big push on air in agility lately. The yeah. text reads, after your hero attacks, dust the enemy's top two dead cards. What are your thoughts on this, Sidus? Oh, I, I really like this card. Uh, so I have been playing a lot of air deck, and you don't really have a lot of choice on two-cost unit, but you still kind of have to put some of them uh, into your deck. Otherwise, you will be having a really bad early game. So uh, I think Skykeeper has been a pretty stable unit in the air elemental deck. And now we have uh, new choices that have its own uh, strength and weakness comparing to Skykeeper. And I, also, if you completely neglect the text, it's still a decent unit because it has... Uh, I think uh, this is the... Only the second unit that have a 3-3 three, three state. Uh, the first one is Shogun, by the way. And also it has a shout. So it's not that easy to get removed if you just play it on turn 1. So uh, it fits into more aggressive style, I would say. Because uh, uh, this will be a bigger threat to remove. So I, I really like the addition of this unit into the air element. Handle, what do you think of Gleam Guide? Oh, I like the card. I don't like the text. Same. Um, there's, uh, there's, I mean, that's a lot of dusting potential. That can, I mean, since it has Shroud, it like, likely lives. 
or you can attack two or three times a turn sometimes. Like, you can dust a whole deck, especially the early stuff or later in the game. If you have even more ways to attack, you can dust just too much stuff. And there's a lot of dusting, especially in agility. It's insane how much agility can dust stuff. Uh -huh. And, um, the uh, two cost three, three to shroud. Great. Give it some text. Yeah, but don't dust my, dust my entire deck. And that's not just speaking from Solia death player like there are so many different reasons why this is just non um interactive yeah so real talk i don't know this this is just my bacon theory i'm pretty sure that this card was kind of printed as a little bit of a stopgap for iris because it just hoses their elements and also to maybe make gary a little bit or gary decks a bit more manageable because i mean it is like targeted grave dusting but I have a concern. I think that we might be in a bit of a kind of death effects versus dusting death spiral where we might just keep ramping both of those up to a point where it gets untenable. We're like, you have to have dusting in every deck. And also all the dusting cards are very good, so you can't avoid running them. And also the death effects are really good, but they get dusted half the time. So they're actually statistically balanced. But, you know, if you don't have dusting, then you're just screwed. Case in point, aside from, like, this and all of the wild stuff with Righteous, like, Jar Souls, like, I was talking with a very good player literally earlier today, and he pointed out how, like, Iris has really good dusting with, like, you know, Lightning Vial and Righteous and all of that. So, uh, a lot of, like, Death Effect stuff, like, Death City got buffed up in patch 114, probably as a consequence of Iris being dominant and having so much, like, dusting running around. So what do you do? You make it where you just get to trigger your death effects in a way that they cannot interact with. I don't think it's good design. I think dusting should be costly. This seems like a card that you throw in every aggressive agility deck. Yeah, I think the text, text is uh, uh, a bit overpowered. I think if you change the text into after this unit attacks, does the enemy's top two death card, uh, and it will be a lot more balanced. Oh, that and would also, be perfectly balanced. Yeah. Also, it's you like, will if it introduce... attacks, kill it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can still run like something like Run Wild in your Heat Wave build. And in certain decks, for example, Iris, you can even uh, Elchie Draw into Run Wild into this guy. So you can uh, immediately dust two cards. But that's kind of all. Um, well, yeah. And like, that's a combo. Text, yeah. Oh, and combo is good in, in the game. And also, in this current form, you can very much play something like Head in the Crowd into Sanya Speed and does like 9,000 cards in their graveyard in one turn. So <laughs> they will yeah. not be feeling fun. Yeah. yeah. Funnily enough, I don't think this actually like helps at all for an aggro deck trying to beat Zomboids. Because all those times that your hero is attacking, you know what? They have a lot of Zomboids. You know what your hero is attacking? All of those Zomboids. Agi decks just take a lot of recoil, and even if you dust half your Zomboids, cool, the Grave Royal was doing 20 damage, now it deals 10 damage. Guess what? You still die because you are agility, and you start the game with, like, 10 health. So, it, it just makes all the other death stuff worse. I don't think it actually hurts the Gary decks. Yeah. Uh, Frank, you want to say something about it? Uh, I forgot. It's not important. Um, well, it's interesting that you have at two cost, you have Gleam Guide, you also have zero. Like, if there are important death effects to get in the grave early, 
and honestly, sometimes that's the most annoying thing is when you get to get something in the grave, you know? You're holding Ancient's Rise, or you're holding Rise from Scrap, you're holding Second Chance, you're holding um, all these crazy good cards, but now there's zero things in the grave, and at two mana, they got zero, they got Glean Guide, they've already had the chance to play Lightning Vial, everything's dusted, and you're holding these cards that are completely 100% dead, and that is a feels bad. Uh-huh. I'm going to get hate for this because there was a lot of uh, people who disagree with me. I, honest to God, think that Chester and Eclipse should both have Vlad. If we're going to have, like, dusting it be this wacky good, then I should at least, like, have some guarantee that my death effects are going to trigger. Because those, those guys are losing a lot of stats uh -huh. to have good death effects. And their death yeah. effects are honestly just kind of, like, above average. Like, compare, it's just dry, it's compare so powerful. Bubbles with Eclipse. Like, as a four-man unit, Bubbles is a 3-5 that draws one card. Eclipse has more keywords. Eclipse has, like, Lifesteal and Armor and Wither and all of that. So he's more like a 3-3. And he draws two cards. But also, one of these cards draws every time, and another one draws you two cards like a fourth of the time. The math doesn't shake out. Um, yeah, Bubbles also has guard, but uh, on top of that, you it's more. I'd rather have a card now than two cards later. Yes. So many times when I'm trying to find lethal. Yes, something that always gets like overlooked in games is that like there is a discount factor on stuff in the future versus stuff now. Like drawing cards now, even like just playing a light on a early turn is actually going to be much more helpful for you than if you play a light like later in the game. For the majority of games there are just ways that like utility compounds in ways that is very hard to kind of describe like people always like overlook that let's keep moving on uh who wants to introduce doomlighter oh i'll go so doomlighter is a uh, uh two cost two two in the intellect reason that come with barrier and it's text right sunset if you played a spell this turn summon two tentacle so tentacles are one cost one one unit that come with barrier, and uh, I I think uh first first of all I think this card is decent but maybe not overpowered but I really like the vibe that these uh downlighter and the tentacle it bring into the game having barrier. So barrier has been a very uh frustrating enchantment. Uh, it protect you from uh non combat damage, but uh, you often get get override by something else, so that it it does not really protect your unit from uh non combat damage. So um, the vibe of this card is that it goes wide, so that your opponent will be having a hard time to remove all the barrier on those uh tiny unit, which means if your opponent really want to remove all your unit effectively, they have to engage in the combat of units. Uh, and I think that is the kind of lacking in the meta right now because we all know <laughs> we all make jokes about Skyweaver being removed of weather, but what is creepy is that the joke is actually true. So I think uh the combat of this type should be encouraged more into the game and 
uh, this is a, a very good start. And I have seen this unit being run in CT2 and also my Uno. And uh, the, another good thing about this card is that uh, if you play it on very early turn, for example, if you go first and you coin into Dawnlighter, it's pretty good state on your side of the board already. And even if you didn't draw it in your opening hand and you play this in your uh, later turns, it's still pretty good because it combo with a lot of different kind of stuff, such as a board buff or, or something like Overdrive. So uh, this is a very playable card and have a lot of potential in different kinds of decks. Yeah, it's really cool. Technically, it is two mana, four, four stats. Most of the time, a lot of those don't materialize, but that's fine because you'll get burn damage for it. Doomlighter itself will die to banner, but like if it does, then you still have two, two of just little tentacles running around. If they can't kill it, they're going to punch one of the tentacles, but you know, you still have one and you still have Doomlighter that'll keep generating. I will advise people be wary about letting this thing just completely fill up your board because your opponent can just like drop an armor unit and then laugh at you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good card. I think uh, definitely a lot better if you can crystal into it turn one and you still have a second crystal so you can build with it if it survives. I think it has a better chance of surviving than most early cards. But then again, I personally don't play a lot of banner, so it does die pretty easy to banner. I think it's a good card. I think it's got it's a little troubling early, but so much of what we see is so. Just put another troubling early card in there. Why not? I mean, I'll take I'll take Doomlighter over a Gleam Guide or Bioluminary any day of the week. Like I I much prefer Doomlighter's design. Talking about overpowered two cost, this is the card I you know I think people have played it. I don't think we've fully as a Skyweaver community understood its purpose, how good it is, and how good its potential is. Maybe I haven't seen it, or maybe it's just because the Discord was down for two days. We haven't talked about it a lot. But Don Delver has a lot of potential. It's a two-cost, two-four heart card, which text reads, after a unit's death effect triggers, attach shield to this unit, and, and that unit if it's not dead. This is a wacky card. Yeah, on the text of it, if you play it right, if you play it in good conditions, it is basically a 2-mana two 2-4 two, shield. And that's good. That's usually the most it will amount to, but like, that's not bad. It'll be fine for tempo-focused heart builds. And also, like, it can have, like, interactions with Death King or stuff. Curiously enough, there's also a weird edge case with it, where if your opponent triggers a death effect from like their own Death King or Molten Heart or Rot Hound, and you have Don Delver on board, Don Delver will gain shield, and it will also give your opponent's unit shield. Which is really weird. I don't think anybody will encounter that interaction for at least a couple months. But it does exist. Yeah. It also gives units in your hand shield if you play something like Phoenix Prawn. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, um... That's great. Theoretically, uh, you cannot really say this is an error, but I would say this kind of interaction is really <laughs> unintuitive, and you have to actually see it in gameplay in order to learn it. And that's not the kind of design uh, I, I think should happen in the card game. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm going to disagree with Bacon here on how often you'll see that stuff. And also in the fact that it's just a 2-4 with shield. Uh, Heart has an insane amount of one-cost uh, death units. We've got Violet. We've got um, Mechaboid. We've got Crypto. we got Fun Guy. And Fun Guy. We've got things to hit them. We've got, um, like you already mentioned, Rot Hound. Plenty of ways to trigger death effects, even after they're in the grave or from other things. Uh, you can have a Dawn Delver with shield, pop a shield, get another shield, put shield on it, get shield. Uh, you can you can have that thing get a lot of shields. And you can pretty regularly, I wouldn't say every game, but I'd say definitely every week, not every month or every day you play it, you'll be putting shield on an enemy card. Uh or, you know... In what meta? Getting are you shields. A getting shield? a shield from another card. I, I, getting I mean, shields so from like, another card. Yeah, game. you can definitely like steamroll shields. Like if you just if your opponent plays a deaf unit and you attack it with Don Delver, Don Delver could have the shield before because it got shield when you played it. And then after it kills that unit, it can pick up shield again. Yeah, it, it can like right. carry its shield around. My only thing is that don't expect to use its uh shield giving ability that often. Oh. Yeah, we're like at shield. Yeah, yeah, because like immediately I know that some people will be like, "Oh, I can play Death's King on four, and then next turn I can play Don Delver, and I'll play Crypto, and then I'll play Pyrocrafter, and then Don Delver will give like all my units shield." And like that's that's not exactly going to happen very much. No, no, you get from Molten Heart every once in a while, and from. Yeah, Rod like Hound also, every once in a while, but yeah, planning on heart. giving your other cards shield frequently <laughs> is not really, really a good plan. Yeah. The, also, we didn't mention the case of um, the Zomboids. Each Zomboid that dies will give you shield, as uh -huh. well as every um, Mech Shroom. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, the Zomboid and every is good because <laughs> yeah, like oh, Elder Woods as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Death effects are very common in the game. That's part of why dusting is so powerful. I wanted to mention one other case. Um, I'm sorry, I'm a little not with it today. Uh, I forgot the card's name. I was running a light uh, horror deck uh, as well as a light um, Zoe deck, which was kind of... The horror deck was similar to the one you made, just some changes, Bacon. But the other two cost... Light card with shield and heart. Oh, Light Knight. Yeah, you can get a lot of shields between Don Delver and Light Knight comboing and just being able to take out boards. Uh, one doesn't have shield, the other one has shield, vice versa. And um, just have a ridiculous amount of shields and light cards and heart at two mana. Yeah, it is a good unit. Sidus, right. you Making, are. What? Oh. <laughs> Go for it, anyone. I didn't want to do the wisdom card. Fine. Candlekeeper Candle is a 1 5 uh, for 2 mana. All of these are 2 mana. It's fire, it has lifesteal, and whenever you play it, it gains plus 1 plus 1 for each 5 max mana you have. It it does something. Sidus, bail me I out here. I think this is probably the most uh, <laughs> balanced one. Among the five, 
because if you play it for two, uh, one five life still seems a very fair state. And if you want to play it for more states, you have to play it in uh, at the later stage of the game, where uh, even if you play it as a two six or seven three seven, it will be much easier to handle for your opponent. So it's not overpowered in any way that can I can imagine of. Yeah. <laughs> also, I, just for me, I think Blank Handle was going to introduce this card because <laughs> it's a candle keeper. <laughs> yeah, I think it's weird that we're at a state where like the most balanced unit in a set is like a two mana one five. Because like Especially... most of the time that 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 would <laughs> it... that would usually be like pretty like oh oh that's kind of bulky that can hang around, but uh we're just like eh, yeah five health yeah. Yeah, we've seen it before. <laughs> yeah, it's risk then. Yeah. Uh, I don't have we much. Need to get, we need to get Neferti Pat or buffed up now. Did you want to mention the card art thing? Because you were talking about that a little bit, Bacon. Oh, yeah, my freaking... I had this crackpot uh, conspiracy theory that the Shadow expansion that we don't yet have any details on was going to have Sun Wukong. Because if you look at the art for Candlekeeper, which is what they used for the uh, silhouette, you know, it has, like, all the candles or stuff. But, like, it also has a staff. The ears looked kind of monkeyish. The hair looked kind of like fur or whatever. So I was thinking, ah, yes, clearly this is the Monkey King, Sun Wukong. And uh, the next expansion is going to involve Journey to the West. <laughs> which... Honestly, it still could. The null result does not falsify my hypothesis. It's just, yes. I don't have that evidence anymore. But we could still have a Sun Wukong expansion. Monkeys are in the game. It could happen, guys. Trust me. I'm going to be starting a Sun Wukong DAO. <laughs> Move on to the patch. we got to be quick, guys. We're already 40 minutes in. I do not want to go another over any more than 40 more minutes. So let's let's be uh that leaves us with less than two minutes a card. All right, if we're doing the math here. All right. Okay. So let's try and keep it around two minutes a card, guys, and then go faster if there's something that's not very interesting. Um Vapors, I'll touch on Vapors really quick and then we'll go through every card by um Prism. Vapor's got a pretty, I would say it's substantial change because it changes the way you play Vapor's. Even though um, it didn't change cost or anything, it, the text changed from when this enchant is removed or dusted, give your hero plus one health and draw a card, to now when this enchant is removed or dusted, give the enchanted character plus two health and draw a card. Um, one health on your hero, you know, maybe it'll save your life in a fringe situation, is not nearly as good as two health on a character when you can just... Keep stuff alive, especially when you're th talking of stuff like, um, well, I, th I think we're going to see some Water City. We're going to see some water decks come up. You're giving um, bubbles, like you mentioned earlier, is now, uh, what, a 3-5 if you pull it out and pop? Uh-huh. Um, so it, it's, it's big. I played a game against uh, just Simon today. He got his Electron up to... Uh, it was a 2-8 based just on Vapors. Um, so I think this is going to change the way we play Vapors and also see have it see more play. 
Yeah. Yeah. The notable buffs are Trident True, which is now a 2-2 at base, but it'll be a 2-4 if you trigger its ability. Uh, Miranda, which also got a stat buff. Seashore, especially if you can trigger it with something like Cookbook or Ghost Sester. And also Encantadora, which at base now, if you play the Vapors, will be a 5-mana 4-6 that draws. I think Encantadora is a card we'll start seeing a bunch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were already seeing it, now we'll see it a bunch. Yeah, I mean, my mirror deck casting Chrome into it very aggressively. Yeah, uh, actually, every single unit that have vapors attached on default will be pretty good right now. Yeah. And Water Ruin was already the second best ruin. Yeah. Yeah. Also, School of Fish looks really good as well. Oh, School of Fish is going to be like very silly with Ghost yeah. Duster and Cookbook. Yeah, especially if you have like Anima, because uh, you can school a fish into plus two, plus two on the one cost, and then give them another plus two health with something that bop pops that as well. Yeah. I'm calling it now. Anima might become a design problem down the line. Well, I guess I guess we'll see because uh, most most patch. In, uh, most changing this patch is actually buffed, so there are a lot of different ideas to test. But yeah, and I, I and I think people should. I want to say that about people listening to this podcast is do test some stuff and don't the first time you get absolutely smashed in a game, the first time you like they play something and you get totally destroyed, don't go. Well, this is broken. The game is broken. It might be, but give that deck a try and then give other decks a try because you might find something that's even more broken. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, don't don't immediately assume that the best deck is the first deck that beats you because there could be better decks to find. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the card. Uh, Bacon, do you want to introduce the dragon? Yeah. I'll just do all the strength cards and then we'll cover each of them. Yeah, so Tiamat got its stats moved around a little. It was a 9 9 for 9. Now it is a 6 power 12 health unit for 9. Much chonkier. Going to be helpful for dealing with mass confuse. Its playing glory effect is basically the same, except it also dusts the units now. I mean, it's dusting. It's just good. Yeah. Am I going through like... all the strength units or <laughs> one by one? Uh, sure, we'll do one by one. Uh, yeah, I mean, that dusting is frustrating. At nine mana, you think, oh, they already got all their value for their death units. That's not even close to the case because that could be the turn after they play Ancient's Rise or whatever. Um, I think that's a big impact. 12 health is huge. I already ran into this card twice in Ladder and I only played like eight. Eight, eight games, so I think we're going to see this. Yeah. After two, kind of three years of Tiamat just being, like, incredibly disappointing, I'm glad that it actually has, like, immediate board impact and is scary to deal with. Yeah. The bad news is that if you are playing a Death Effect deck, mm, before this patch, uh, if you bait Cosrath, you really kind of feel safe to play more Death Effect unit, but if you're playing against uh, Tiamat, it's no longer the case because now they have kind of like kind of like double cross rest to dust your unit, mm -hmm. and well, life will be very very difficult. 
if you yeah. are playing death in the deck. Honestly, I'm gonna we put death in a bin for now. Uh-huh. It's just not it's just not playable. Nope. I mean, even though it got buffed so much, it's not playable. Yeah, it's just I one of the first like design traits I learned about Skyweaver was that the strength prism was actually like supposed to originally have like weak dusting effects. And I never really got that. I think it's kind of been abandoned, but like strength has got some of the best dusting in the game now. Like it has Chomp, which is just brutal. Kazraf and now Tiamat. Also has like Unstoppable Chop for more disruption. And very often strength is being paired with Fox and Agility, which has Lightning Vile and Zero and Righteous and like now Gleam Guide. I'm like, anything that tries to use your discard pile is not reliable. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going, Fox. Or bacon, whatever. Wow, thanks. <laughs> yeah, so Archiloth got a makeover. It is now Treefolk Goliath. It's the same old effect that you probably have never seen before. After an ally unit summoned, game plus one plus one. It was a 3-4, which was kind of pathetic for strength. Now it is a 3-5. Um, I like this card a lot. I play it uh, in two different decks that I like to play. The decks are not meta, and they're not good enough to be meta, but I think this card is really good on four. It's really good on three, but, um, you know, it's not going to be part of the deck that breaks the game. Yeah. Sidus, anything? Uh, this guy is really uh, difficult to use in Etrigan. Um I have tried Earth Horic and Earth Titus, but uh, it, it, they are not as powerful as other elemental decks and I don't think adding one heals will help that much. It it did help a bit, but I don't think it's enough for this unit to be in a meta deck. Yeah. So I said earlier I was playing Earth Fox and I was and this card was really good in it. And you can if you can keep a board, which is really, you can build boards really fast and the boards are buffing themselves and it's great. And I was playing an expert too. And I, I lost like one or two games out of, I think one game out of 10. And that was to bacon. Like, huh. um, no, no problem. Go up through expert, probably get to master. But I, uh, I played some private games with people who are where I usually am and they destroyed me. So I, I think it'll be fun and it'll be great for, New players to play an elemental deck, but it's probably not gonna be part of the deck that is uh is really gonna be holding the Grand Reaper position. Yeah, no. If the card needs you to play other units to be good, and it's already a four mana unit, it's usually not going to be good. Well, the the problem is if you are playing, uh, let's say Earthfog, there are a lot of better option as focus unit and I can immediately think of Overheart Brawler will be better than this guy because uh first it has better state uh, having one additional health will make it really really harder to kill comparing to this 3-5 and also uh, it encourage you to go wide which is uh, always good against heart removal because you don't want to buff a single unit to um to huge state to be to just have it killed by your opponent's judgment waterline or uh germinate you want to have a lot of uh threat on your board instead of a single threat so 
I don't I don't think this is as attractive as the brawler, even if they buff its heals by one. Yeah, I mean the deck runs three, four cost cards, Pudo, um, Treefolk, Goliath, and Orhart, and Orhart is the best of those those ones to get out first. But I I mean four cost is where you try basically you try and play a four cost cost on three and then on four and then on seven, um, generally. Yeah. Moving on, uh a month ago, Dracomantium got a massive buff. And by massive buff, I mean it was uh, basically killed. It became a 10-mana unit with 6 power, 6 health. On play, it would give every ally armor. It already had garden armor, by the way, so it didn't actually gain any armor itself. And it would also give your spells plus 2 cost for the rest of the game. Now, it has 4 power, 8 health, and it no longer taxes your spells. Somebody else go before I have an aneurysm. Uh, I haven't really played into that or or either played it myself, but on paper, this looks like a lot more playable uh, compared to its previous form. It's 8 armor health added with uh, lead. That's pretty respectful. Uh, you also have a lot less things that take out armor, but the ones that do take it out are guard, but the ones that do take it out are being played more, so... Um, you know, you can get run past pretty easily with the decks that do that. It's a better card than it was recently. Uh, Draco's been uh, everywhere, and uh, we'll see where it ends up here. I'm sure you have a much more thought-out and expansive, because I don't generally play this card, but you do Bacon, or you try to. Yeah, and I am not playing it this patch. There is a problem with very expensive units in any card game. It's kind of just called, like, the big unit problem. The question is, how do you design something that is very expensive? Because if it is very expensive, hard removal exists in every game, and it's always going to be able to delete whatever big silly thing you have is, unless your thing has, like, the magic text that, like, this cannot be targeted by the kill the unit spell. Except other spells will start to get to a point where it's like, but this one can kill that unit, and then other units will be like, except for those spells too, or whatever. So, like, you have an arms race. On the other hand, there's a fundamental issue, which is if the thing is going to sit in my hand for the entire game, then it has to be really impactful. But you don't want games to get to a point where, you know, you just play it and then, lol, I win now. I don't hold this opinion currently, but a bunch of people are kind of complaining about, like, what Undragon is, and that's kind of like the opposite side of the issue. This right here, there's no adjustments to Gary or Burn or really anything in this patch. And if there's any card in the deck that I feel should be, like, a good way for control decks to counter burn, that should be Dracomantium. Because, like, you know, it slaps armor on your hero. Except it is a 10-man unit that gets invalidated by a 2-mana crab, and also is notably more expensive than Grave Royal, the best burn option in the game. Which means that the thing that it would hypothetically ever counter in the first place is usually played before it, and if it's not, they can also just, you know, kill your dragon with it and also burn you to death. It's not going to be that much better, especially whenever we're elevating a lot of dragons to the level of, like, Cryogen and Tiamat, Undragon and Comet and all of that. It just feels like it just... It, it's still meh. Alright, we gotta keep going. Keep going a little bit faster. Yeah. 
Mundermander. It was seven mana. It is now six. It whenever you summon it, it just plays a Firemander with stealth for each fire card in your hand. This card's good. I think this will help. I think this is a really good target to enhance Firefox because this one was a little like this is often the one you're holding where you're like, oh, one turn earlier and this would have been really helpful. So I think this is a really good buff and a good place to buff Firefox. Yeah, um, the fire package kind of got gutted like 12 patches ago with Trailblazer, Run Wild, and eventually Hot Dog all getting nerfed. This is a late game buff for a deck that's trying to be really good in the early game. I don't think it helps much. Also, why would you ever play fire when you could play metal? Uh, I'm actually thinking about fire titans right now because uh, not long before we released Wax and Piper in Wisdom. And with recent patch, we introduced Candlekeeper, so that means Fire Titans get two additional Fire units to choose from. And now they buff the Malamander. And the difference between Firefox and Fire Titans is that Fire Titans is really good at defensive thing and also tutoring stuff with something like Eldritch Law, uh, which means you have more uh, more possibility to get your Gersman early on, so uh, you will be having a bigger chance to be able to play unit uh, above their mana curve value. So maybe Fire Titus is possible right now, I would say. And it's, it's with this Mother change that really make me want to try to deck building uh, Fire Titus. So I guess I will try it after this guy section and share with you next week. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I just don't think that works. If you're going to play an elemental deck... <laughs> Alright, next card, use... next card, come on. Okay. Chromiosaur. It's 6 mana, it has dash. On summon, it gives 7 costs and higher units in your hand, and deck, minus 2 cost. It was a 5-5 five five with chomp, now it is a 6-6 six six with no chomp. I had a problem when I played Chromiosaur to wait till turn 11, so this will be nice to just force me to play it when I... It's uh, good... Yeah, I, I also think it's this better is on a curve. Buff. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Sidus, okay, so, you want to tag in for agility? Uh, yeah, we're, we're on to the agility cards. The first card is Queen of Jacks. It is a six cost, three six with the attached spell. Um, what's that called again? Yeah, uh, pair of jacks. Uh, oh, pair of yeah, jack. yeah, pair, pair of jacks. Yeah. Um, Decent hand and poker. Uh, the text was, after an enemy plays a unit, summon a yellow jacket. The text is now, after your hero attacks, summon a yellow jacket. It is being moved along to that multi-attack or bonus things for attacking with agility. Uh, I don't know if it makes it better at all, if not makes it worse, but it's just a change to make it more in line with that type of playstyle they're trying to push. Yeah, I think this is a net bot because uh, in most of the game, if you play Queen of Jacks, uh, you will get killed immediately at the next turn. It's not it's not re really hard to kill a 3-6 body once you have 7 mana. So uh, before the change, you you don't really get a chance to proc its effect. I think you, may, you might be able to proc it like once every 10 games. But now uh, you can immediately puff its effect by attacking with your hero and you also have some interaction with other cards like Sanya Speed and such. So uh, I like the change and I think it's a buff. 
Uh, it'll depend on what kind of multi-attack synergies come out. If there are like one-cost enablers, it'll be nice. If not, it'll be kind of lackluster. Yeah. Next card is Speed Boots. It is a spell in um, agility. It's a two-cost air spell. The text it was a three-cost. It's now two. The checks change from ready target ally unit to ready target sleeping ally unit. So it is now not able to make something attack twice in a turn. Um, it basically turned into a cheaper Dream Gate from a Speed Boots. This is going to help a lot with the burn damage agility can push out. Uh, by help yeah. of that, I think you mean you mean help help their <laughs> opponent sleep at night. Uh, yeah. yeah. Coulter said it on hurt. stream that like we need combos and like ways to finish games or whatever. And like Norsu boots is of course what everybody thinks of because it's just twelve points of face damage for eleven. And like when you put it that way, it sounds fine, but like it's discountable. It's just completely unblockable. And it's like, cool, agility can kill me on turns 1 through 11 now. Yeah, the Norse boot is still there. And I think this is a disrespect to speed rate of sleep, because now uh, even if you often play a control and it runs to speed rate of sleep, it's not safe against speed boots. But I, I, yeah. I mean, it's not safe against speed boots anyway, so I guess that's fine. Like, honest to God, what is the point of control in Skyweaver right now? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, next card is Windland Biker. It is a four cost. Uh, it's going from a five cost to a four cost. It's a dash unit. Fire and agility it says after you summon another unit, give it dash. Previously, it said death. Give uh, units in your hand dash. It also used to have fate. It used to have four power instead of two power and two health instead of six. So a lot of changes to Windland Biker, a card that definitely needed to be changed significantly. Um, getting rid of the uh, fate changes how agility is going to play all together. They're not going to run um, one or two other fire cards. They're going to be able to change up their deck. The benefit of getting dash and everything in your hand is gone. That was too good and too frustrating, especially when combined with other effects um it kind of can stay alive a little bit better now it has six health instead of two health so it's not just a kamikaze like it was and the effect of giving units you play dash is very interesting we'll see how it turns out i think it could be impactful for playing a couple small units like at six mana or something or if it survives, it could be very impactful. But uh, it's, it's it's an interesting change. It seems more fair. It seems more interactive. It seems more fun. I'm glad they made it. Yeah. Anything to say, Megan? Yeah. I mean, it went from being a spell to a unit. But it went from being a very busted spell to a kind of good unit. It'll it it'll need like other partners to actually get anything rocking and rolling with. Which uh speaking of partners, our next card. Yeah, Soul Pirate Titan. It was a twenty cost fire unit. Um a six six with wither that has one less cost for each damage your hero's taken this game. It went from twenty cost to twenty-five cost. I have no uh, real opinion on this change. I don't really care about Soul Pirate Titan, especially now that Windland Biker was changed. 
Um, just, I guess, uh, fuck off is what they're saying. Like, just get <laughs> yeah, out of here. So that's what we do stateside. I love how this card is basically like an immortal zombie that just whatever nerf you throw at it always comes crawling back. It's William Afton. He's, I always come back. It's horrible. Like, even Coulter had a really funny comment on the stream or whatever. He said, that like, you know, usually when you nerf a card by, like, five cost, that's kind of a death sentence. But for this thing, it's just a slap on the wrist. And honestly, yeah, that's about it. I mean, it's still playable in Iris for sure because you get enough health and stuff. But, like, yeah, you just heal. honestly, without, without Windland Biker, it's not a huge problem. So, you know, it's still annoying for sure. And then you don't have Mei Long for two. I think they're just, they're, they're doing what I did a long time ago and throwing their hands up and say, look, we don't want cheap shit. Let's just, let's just get it going. And Soul Pyre, like, go, I, I, I nerfed you, I've nerfed you, I nerfed you, now I'm going to dig the hole. Like, get out of here. Yeah. Because, like, it starts to look increasingly bad if you have to keep adjusting a card. Yeah, I mean, how many times have they nerfed? that card and they buffed it too not only have they nerfed that card a shit ton of time they've also buffed it yeah when they went from 6-6 six, six back to 7-7 seven, seven. I think it's had like 4 changes now I think it's more than that maybe 5 surely not 6 <sighs> probably not 6 Yeah. next card is evasion it was a 1 cost spell in the air element that did, said your hero cannot take damage this turn. They've tuned that down. Oh, it's got banner. And importantly, it's this banner. They tuned it down to a zero cost. Your hero cannot take damage this turn. Banner, spell, and agility. I think it's good in the right deck. I don't think the right deck is good. Yeah. Weirdly enough, it's a buff for Lao Sensei. Because, like, you actually know what you out of deck with Lao Sensei every time now. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, I think uh, they are uh, introducing a lot of interaction with attacking with hero multiple turns uh, with these patches. So I guess uh, we might see more cards that is related to attacking with your hero in agility prison in the future. And this might be the preparation changes uh, for the future. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy that we've seen so many of these support for attacking multiple turns. We have a lot of support cards. We just don't have a lot of uh, innate, like things that actually do it. Yeah. And unless we see it with the starter deck, like we won't see it for six months, you know, so yeah. or, or longer, more likely. So well, I assume no, it's either coming to the starter deck or we got these cards that don't do anything. Hang on. Starter, starter decks are July. Yeah, I said unless it's in the starter deck, we're gonna not see it for another six oh. months. Yeah, I figure they'll probably do it with that, cause like if this is the core agility design theme, then like they'll have to put that with the deck for agility. Which hmm. we'll see. Uh, Sadis, you want to take on wisdom? Okay, so uh, the first first change in wisdom is to nerf the Menlong. Uh, its cost got reduced from ten to seven, but uh, you no lo you no longer got the cost cost reduction for elements in your grave. Instead, its effect is now play gain plus one plus one for each element in your grave. 
and its base state got changed to three three. So, which means uh, if you have all element in your grave, this will be a seven cost eleven eleven, which is uh, a lot better than a two cost seven seven. If you ask me, uh, she still keeps her barrier guard and banner. So that's kind of it. Um, I guess uh, cheating a very big unit with fair mana cost is kind of better than cheating a mediocre unit with very very low mana. So I think this change is pretty fair. And if you ask me, I think Iris can still very much run this unit because seven cost eleven eleven with guard. Uh, it offer a lot of protection to your hero, and only really die to hard removal. So it's a fair unit right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's still a good unit, and it's not gonna make me pull my hair out as much, uh -huh. which I can't do because I have no hair. <laughs> Wait, bald handle? Uh, I got a beard. Oh, dude, I'm at like, I'm at that stage in my life where like the hair just starts coming out, and like, man, it scares you. Just get rid of it, dude. No! Okay, so I guess uh, not much to say about this change. Uh, are we moving on? It, it It's a big noodle. I like it. Yeah. It's a big noodle. Perfect. Okay, so the next card is Lost in the Fog. Uh, its previous effect is give enemy units minus 5 power and does 0 power units. And its new effect is now give enemy units minus two power, dust or zero power enemy units. So, um, I, I I always know that people like to play chill into lost in the four combo, but it kind of now uh, a combo in a single card. So uh, I don't know how much powerful this will be uh, yet. But I like the change and we would like to start playing this card in control decks if I am actually crazy to play any control decks. I don't. I don't get why all the removal in the game has to be a dusting effect. Can we just nerf Zomboids and please move on? Yeah, once again, I'm complaining about the dusting effect for sure, but it's definitely a way better card. Oh and, yeah, it's yeah, much better. Play, play, uh, call, call of the dead into Lost in the Fog. You know that's just you're you're going positive and you're. Um, it's a strong card. I think it's a good card and you can do a lot of good things. And honestly, of all of the dusting crap, it seems kind of like interesting. But yeah, it it's just um, it's just more of that. I, and I just I'm I, you know how much do I care about more dusting at this point because it's already past the point of what makes death units playable huh. yeah yeah this in other like news a... banjo has a one-sided kill everything with subjugate in this yeah not only kill everything dust everything uh-huh yeah oh boy don't you just love all of your units being evaporated it's like the touch the sky for eight mana that doesn't hurt your units and doesn't take away your health huh. yeah you feel like uh, it serves as a long boy hater card, but happen also happen to be dusting a lot of things that it's not intended to do. Yeah, they claimed that like it wasn't meant to target zomboids, but if they weren't thinking about it as targeting a zomboid, then I feel like that's another instance of 
there being too many interactions in the game for the devs to keep up with all of them. Yeah. I mean, you just play that against a Flame Phoenix and you're pretty happy. Yeah. Just a simple one Flame Phoenix versus that. You've cut down on their entire plan with trying to build fireballs. So you screwed them up, you know, and you've got very little, but because you have that dusting and five other dusting cards, you're guaranteed to dust the Phoenix. So you're just happy because they're not going to ever accomplish their win con. Yeah, yeah. Handle, we have another big noodle. Read it off. This is not a noodle. <laughs> yes, uh, this is a man. <laughs> um, why am I reading this off? He was doing... Science, you're doing wisdom. Okay, <laughs> so Amarua was the Aiko 610 unit. Um, it got changed uh, recently, and then with patch 116, we are buffing its new effect again. So its effect was give play, give units in your hand and deck plus one health. And this effect got buffed to give all units in your hand and deck plus one plus two instead in this patch. Um, uh, I, I mean, no, the buff is always good, work. but uh, yeah, I, I, I will still not run Amaruas in any of the deck simply because it's too slow. It's an 8-mana unit, and you need to play, like, 4 or 5 other units for the buff to actually start become, like, big. Alternatively, you could have played Spellbreaker. You could have played Comet. You could have played... At 9, you could have played Cryogen and just, like, shredded your board. Yeah. It, it just does not keep up in the slightest. I will almost... <laughs> happy to play Crossmat and then Amaruas in any of my Wisdom deck. Yeah. Uh, right. So, uh, the next one is kind of doing the similar stuff. It's Tochuk and Cook. Uh, this unit also got changed several times because its effect was too powerful at some point. So, uh, before patch 116, it's a 6 code unit with 4-3 guard armor, and its effect right Sunset, give plus two, plus one to a unit in your hand of each different element. And in this patch, uh, we got a lot of change. So first of all, its cost got reduced from six to five. And the state line got changed from four, three to three, six. And all the traits got removed. And the effect changed to sunset, give plus one, plus one to a unit in your hand of each different element. So when this was first released, I think it's uh, 6 codes 4-4 with armor, and its sunset effect used to give plus 2, plus 2 to units in your hand. And uh, uh, with the release of Tochugan Cook, we also released a very popular card named Dream Calling. It's one of my favorite cards in Sky River. And um, the, the idea Tochugan Cook Worst is that you try your best to cheat it out with four mana, string calling, and then buff your hero hand, and then you just run, uh, generate loose strategy. Uh, having plus two plus two on, the uh, starting from turn three to like turn five or turn six is pretty big for any loot deck. So, uh, the unit is considered too overpowered and got several nerfs from that time, and then uh, string calling also got hit because uh, Iris has been using it to cheat a lot of uh, overpowered units. So uh, 
since that point, uh, we almost named the Totuken Cook. And even with this change, uh, I would say it's a slight buff. I still don't think anyone would like to run this unit. Uh, basically because uh, it has no immediate impact on the board. And we have we actually have other units that have impact as soon as they got played. And I'm talking about Bio in the Heart Prison. So um, the buff from this unit is kind of too slow, if you really ask me. So it kind of has a similar problem with which Amarwaz is having. So... I don't think this change is enough to bring it back to the game. My guess is they put 20 buffs and 10 nerfs in a hat and just pulled out five cards or six cards and just went, okay, loses traits, loses cost, loses one play. It's just it went through a washing machine and came out different. I don't know. I don't know if it's good or bad or what's going to happen next. I played Hespera today and he was running a Axel Zoo deck that was like really cool and interesting. He had like Bill, Tortug and Cook, Boon of Nettles. Pretty sure he had tireless iteration there too. Of course, though, I was playing Bioluminary, so I will let you guys speculate as to how that game went. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the last Western card that got changed is also a buffing card. Uh, it's Signal Secrets. Its cost got reduced from eight to six, and its text was has minus one cost for each element in your grave. Give target allied units plus two plus four him burner. And the new text is give target allied units plus one plus one for each element in your grave. So the change um, kind of shared by the, in a way that they choose to change Menlong. So uh, you have less way to reduce the cost of this card, but you also give more state to your unit, which, uh, which means uh, it's still kind of cheating if we ever call, call six codes for the 8A state cheat, but it cheat in a better way for both players' gaming experience, if you ask me. Yeah. I miss when, like, the prisms had unique divergent designs that were clearly delineated. This is, this is literally a strength card called Hugeify, but, uh... I guess wisdom is good at buffs, so whatever. Yeah. I, I just think this is a bad card now. You can play six mana, you can play a nine six that dies and produces nine three more. Um you well, know, yeah, but like stuff. that's a death effect unit. It's... I, I'm just I'm just saying this also needs a unit <laughs> to be uh be on the board and play six mana into it. And unlike Hugeify, it doesn't give dash or anything. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think we're gonna see this very much. We still don't even. I'm going to make a puzzle, which really involved with delivering diesel with casting Quagnan Secret onto Drillbot. Oh yeah, that'll work. You should. You should make it where like you revive the Drillbot with Jar Souls. You Hugeify the Drillbot, and then you play secrets on it. But only after you kill two of the other units, you revive Jar Souls, so that way you have enough elements for secrets to be 8-8. Eight, eight. Hey. I like how you have agility, heart, and wisdom in this deck. And you already well, yeah, need, it's, it's a puzzle. Like, like 90 mana. <laughs> yes, the high mana puzzles are fun. Right, we're going to move on to hearts. Now, the first card in heart has uh, already been, I think, the most talked about change 
uh, that we've got. It is Undragon. Undragon was a 10 cost 8-8 unit with stealth and lifesteal. I thought it lost stealth, but it, I guess it has stealth again. I don't know where stealth comes from. That goes. was a visual bug in one of the patches. It never lost stealth. Okay, so it is a 10 cost 8-8 eight, eight with stealth and lifesteal. It's text reds play. Summon five zomboids with guard and lifesteal. Uh, the effect is now play and death. Summon five zomboids with guard and lifesteal. Uh, that's huge. That is... We're going to see it. It's hard to buffinate or dustinate it with stealth, even with all of the things that are dusting in the game. Um, also, you get the five zombies guaranteed. You get, uh, let's say you've played Gary. What are you getting? 28, 28 in stats for 10 mana that have uh, that do at least 10 damage of burn and 10 damage of healing. Seems pretty strong. Yeah, so I've got a hot take. I don't think that this actually helps zomboid decks. I feel like you already killed them like fast enough with Royal on 9 that there's no... There's not really scenarios where you play Undragon on 10 unless you just don't have Royal. But I feel like probably the best builds are either Zoe or Axel. Axel has Zavi, so you really get Royal consistently. Also, Giza finds Gary. If you run Undragon, you interrupt that and you just make your deck slower. If you're playing Zoe, guess what you have? You have Blitz, you have Pandora. So like you've already got really good draw power. I don't think it actually helps Zomboid decks that much. I think it I think it'll find places in other decks, but you're right. I don't think it is a Gary centered deck thing, but I, I you'll see it there too. People will play it. It's interesting because now it is once again at least decent if you it's good if you bring it back with like Race from Scrap, if you bring it back with other cards, um uh like Undragon's pack and stuff, you're still getting an impactful death effect again. So it makes it better out of the grave. I think we're going to see Undragon. At the very least, we're going to see it because people think it's busted. But I think it's pretty busted. Um, you know, 10 mana, you got to get there. But, like, if your goal is to make it to 10 mana, you can do it. Uh, I feel like aggro is really good. I could be wrong because, like, Irish just got nerfed. And, like, eventually, Bioluminary will have to be nerfed, too. It's just an insane card. So, I don't think it's going to be too powerful, but I could be wrong. Uh, the next card is Old Fogey. It is never going to get its name changed. It is forever Old Fogey. Yeah, it's Old Fogey. Always. It has to be. I have a tattoo that says Old Fogey. Um, that was a poor life uh, decision. So I changed the name to... Uh, <laughs> what? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> uh, I, I have to listen to this again to edit it, so I'll know what you said. Yeah, you can. I will be busy at that time, and I will not answer my direct messages. Um... Yeah, so they changed the Elder Shroom. They're hinted at tribal interactions in the future. That was also part of the reason for the change to Tree Folk uh, uh, card earlier. Tree, what was it? Tree Folk? Tree Folk Goliath. Tree Folk Goliath changed. Now they're changing this to Elder Shroom. Um, it's foggy. And uh, we also did not change the text. But we gave it one power from a 0-3 to a 1-3. I think this is more substantial than it's getting credit for. Um, as a 0-3, it's got the guard impact that slows down maybe a little. It's still a huge dust target. But 1-3, it actually does 
something. So it breaks. Stealth. I mean, it's it, it breaks stealth. Yeah. It also breaks, you know, um, shield and it pings something. It, it's a uh, micron drone. It, it went. Yeah. I think it's a substantial buff to get one health, one yeah. attack. Next card is Miranda. Its power went from three to two, and its health went from two to three. Its play effect is to attach Vapors to target ally unit. We already mentioned the Vapors change. Uh, um, it has attached to its School of Fish, which is a four-mana spell that is draw and attach draw play and attach banners to two one cost units. Um, so I think if vapors become a huge thing, we'll see this more. Um, I think Water City, like I said, is going to be a thing. I don't even know if Water City wants to play Miranda so much as other cards, but it'll probably see at least some tries. So we'll see that. Yeah, Miranda is just a weird card. Yeah. There's also uh, not next a cards. lot of good targets for School of Fish. That's what, yeah, that's the main problem, I would say. Because um, five mana, draw a card, give something two health, and have a two-three body isn't fantastic. Yeah. Trident True is coming out here. It changed from power from three to two. It is now a two-two-three cost. Unit with vapors attached at sunset. If you have no mana, attach mana crystal. Really easy to get that draw and two health from this. And get a mana crystal would probably possible with four health now. It'll survive and you can use the mana crystal. Um, probably not, but that isn't a possibility. This will see play. This is cool. Um, any other comments? It's good. Yeah. Uh, I think I still will not be using any mana crystal into play it early on but it's a decent turn three play and i think it's even a better play if played at a later stage of the game because uh three cost two four is a tempo loss but yeah you don't really want additional card in early game if you are trying to play for uh a controlish type <laughs> but it's okay to play it on the later stage of the game yeah. Next change is to Humongous Room. It is a four mana, was a four mana two five with a slay and death effect give units in your hand. Plus one, plus one. It had guard and lifesteal. This is a card we've actually talked quite a little bit about because it's been something that's always been interesting. I like the card. I found it very in, like fun and engaging, and it's definitely been the maybe worst card I've put into a deck because of its usability in situations. They buffed it to, uh, now it's a 3-5, basically turning it from a card that I was trying to fit into decks that fits in nicely to decks. I don't know if it needed a buff. It seems kind of out of the blue because it's not really attached to any other buff in the whole patch change. It's just by itself, hey, also give Humongous Stream of Power. I don't care. It was kind of bad. Like, I tried to play it, like, a lot, especially in, like, my work decks. It's just very vulnerable. Like, it gets it gets bullied down by a lot of better units, especially at the 4-cost range. 
and it just doesn't do a lot because like two power is very vulnerable because of all the zomboids that are running around yeah i mean it's better i'm excited to be able to play it even more because i like i like the card a lot yeah who wants to take on intellect Ooh, ooh, it has a dragon yeah go ahead yeah so cryogen is now a nine mana six seven stealth and armor on play and sunrise and that's the change it attaches frostbite to every enemy and it used to do that but now it also does an extra one damage to every enemy which means that it's basically doing three damage to all enemies on play a miniature cause wrath yeah it also got its power and health changed yeah, they took its power and health down a little. It was like an 8-8 for exactly 5 minutes because of nobody played it during the Iris meta. But, uh, I mean, it's just a lot better. Notably, if you are in Water City and you really want to, like, play Frenzy in Water City just because Frenzy is a very good water card, you probably also want a Boon of Nettles to buff up that Frenzy. If you buff buff up cryogen with boon of nettles cryogen will gain wither which means that if it doesn't just shred everything with those three points of damage from its effect it will wither at three which is a very good thing to do um i want to say people talking about undragon a lot about how it was the biggest buff i think this might be the biggest buff of the patch i think this is huge i think cryogen became relevant and i think it's funny because you said i don't know a month ago you're like i try and find ways to put cryogen in my deck it's just not impactful when it comes into play uh-huh. and now it, i think it's hugely impactful when it comes into play and i think Mata is just or and culture just listen to you and do whatever you want bacon yeah that's what everyone should do like life would be so much better honestly i asked you guys like a month ago if cryogen was a tempo player or not because of the frostbite i think it's indisputable like Somehow, the 9-mana Cryogen is in fact a tempo play. Because, like, it also just keeps shredding their stuff every turn. So you have to it's deal a, with it. It's a massive buff. This is... It's a, it's a great card now. It is such a good card. Yeah, it's a bright spot in the patch. It's not only a tempo play right now. It's if you don't kill it in your next turn, you might lose again. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, like everybody's talking about it does Undragon. Damage yeah, think every about turn. what the Cryogen Undragon interaction is. It's okay, I play Cryogen. Cool. You play Undragon. Cool. I shred your board. I probably kill your Undragon too. And then I go face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's in the intellect prison, so you have to constantly be worried about your opponent having a lot of ping. And by ping I mean labs. And I mean you are at 10 mana, that's correct, but you have to kill Cryogen, but also remove the Frostbite on your hero at the center to be able to stabilize in most of the game. And that's yeah. not really that easy, I would say. So this will be a very huge threat. Yeah, if your opponent sets up Cryogen and you stay frozen, it is very easy to just play Spellbreaker and then do 1, 2, 3, 5, 6... Thesia do just 12 points of lifesteal face damage right off the bat. Yeah. The best answer to this card is encapsulate, encapsulate and it's also in the intellect prison, which is funny. No! Don't put a Pokeball on my dragon! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
right. Why uh, is Encapsulate better than Mortal Blow? Because it removes the Frost Bite on your hero as well. Oh, yeah, got it. Cool. Yeah. Gear Grind uh, was a 4-mana spell. It is now 3-mana. It does damage to a target unit equal to however many cards is in your hand, and then it mulligans your hand. Before, it would give the left and right most units minus 1 cost. Now it doesn't. So, like, technically, it costs one more overall, but you spend one less to play it now for just not having that discount. And here's where, like, that kind of value now is better than value later kind of thing. That's probably just a buff. It kills my Sigins, or Cygnus combo, so I'm pretty upset about it. Yeah, well, we can't all have what we want in life, Blank Handle. <laughs> just you. Yeah, yeah, I I'm glad that you read the subtext there. <laughs> Speaking of things I want in life, Magnanimous got a buff. It is now, it went from 7 cost to 6. Previously, it would give every spell in your hand and deck minus 1 cost. Now, it only works on 7 costs and higher spells in your hand and deck, but it gives some minus 2 cost. It also lost Doubling Cube, but nobody really cares because Doubling Cube is kind of not a great spell. And, uh, yeah. So I think you definitely felt like this is a buff. Uh, is it just because of the cost, or do you think that high-cost spell decks are viable? So there aren't really enough great targets for high-cost spell decks right now. I think it's a buff because, like, I just look at the immediate numbers. So it costs one less mana, and your discount on the first spell that you play is going to be anywhere from one less to negative two less. In other words, it's going to either be about the same, except you get the value sooner, or it's just going to be better. Notably, you can play Magnanimous with stuff like Cosrath, Tiamat's Rage, and, like, that is just wacky. But also, this card just gets better as more stuff gets added to the game. So, like, I feel like there will be more support for big int. Yeah, I actually saw a deck today that I played against, which, like I said, this is, the patch has been out for, you know, hours. Um, they were running Magnanimous, and then they played uh, Stan as one, and then they played Way to Die. You know, they're trying to get out all that value from yeah. cheap. You know, people love Spell Mira. They'll do anything to bring it back. Yeah, the obvious card is Mass Confuse because it's riding the same prism and it comes off curve. But if Chromiosaur is anything to go off of, you need about five targets for it to be worthwhile. And right now, those five good targets just don't exist. This could be one of those targets. What could? I said this next card could. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tentacle Eruption. It was nine cost, now it's eight. I think that covers it. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not really doing much that it wasn't already doing, because the times you play this card, you usually uh you usually either Actually, just win or lose. There is one time this is a huge change. Out of deck? When you out of deck this with Enigma Golem, oh. when you play Enigma Golem on curve, you can now play the tentacle eruption. It doesn't cost one. Oh, yeah. That's so really I nice. Think Oh, shoot, dude, be... you can main deck this, then, and play yeah. off of Enigma Golem, and just get, like, because what are you going to dust? Like, a 3-cost spell, a 2-cost spell, a 3-cost spell? Cool. I play 20 gajillion stats for 8 mana, and it all has barrier. <laughs> Except for Enigma Golem. Yeah. Yeah. 
huh, that actually that sounds kind of good. Yeah, you can even just don't play Mass Confuse simply because you can play this combo. Well, no, you just play both because, like, you know, you could draw one, you could draw the other. If you play Mass Confuse, cool, I get a 7 7 tentacle. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, uh, Mask is Boon. It was five costs, now it's four. Cool. <laughs> I this card is garbage. Yeah, it's not. Playable. And like, it's not playable. And like, if it's ever good, it's going to be really annoying. Because when this card is good, it's like a four mana plus six plus six or whatever. And people are going to see it. And then people are going to like, be like, well, they already got all of these spells off and they did all of this and they whacked me over the head because I left a single unit alive. I did. It's, I find this kind of design questionable. Then again, I also think that like Nurtured Bond is not a great design and that card has been around forever. So, uh, could be wrong. I mean, okay, so I was playing this deck last week that the whole goal of it was to play a bunch of spells um, but the thing is, you wanted to play as many spells, so adding another four costs there. It was a Water Zam Maya. Wow. Yeah, I'm a little crazy. Uh, it was, it was pretty fun. I won in plenty of games, but the point was, you get Zam out there, you play a hell of a lot of Zaps, you play a bunch of stuff, and then there wasn't a second where I thought, oh, I might have four mana left over at the end of the turn, because you're not going to have four mana left over to do that if you're trying to play a lot of spells. Yeah. Maybe maybe it'll be like an attachment on a unit or something, and then the I unit think there's will a have major, some text effect. Uh, Octomage now can draw this, which is pretty crappy for Octomage. Because Octo, you know what Octomage really needed? It really needed another nerf. <laughs> what? You know, if there's any card in the game that's like just overwhelming on the meta. That just like really messes with like the way people approach the game. It's definitely Octomage. Okay, maybe, I just mean this is a. Maybe we should actually take two health off of Octomage and like give it vapors. It would miss out on like the Mirror Will, but it would be better in every other scenario. Is it draw you a card? Yeah, yeah, it would just straight up draw a card on play. It's like it's so hard to use Octomage. It's a four mana unit. That has banner, but then like you have this clunky four cost spell attached to it too, so it's like cool. I could have played Cause Wrath on this turn, or I can play four mana unit that draws Tempest Brew. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, wrap it up, guys. What do you guys want to say was your opinion overall about these patch and the new cards? I graded it like a low B. I feel like there's some oversights that really shouldn't be happening. And, uh, I don't know. There wasn't a lot that I found super exciting in the most recent patch. There's a couple of cool things, like Cryogen, Tiamat, Chromiosaur. But, I mean, I have at least two weeks of dealing with Bioluminary. That's just not fun before I can even get to checking out the patch. And that kind of kills it. Hmm. Okay, so I have mixed feeling about this patch. Um, I think Lacura Meta is having some issues, but this patch does not really address all of the issues, but they rather introduce uh, more possibility to bring impact to the meta. Uh, and I guess the purpose is to solve the issue. 
in this alternative way. And I'm not really a big fan of this type of approach. But in the, on, on the other hand, uh, it did it did stimulate a lot of deck building idea in my brain. So that I probably will be spending most of my time in the upcoming week trying to build new decks. So that's the uh, good thing about this patch for me. So yeah. Uh, yeah, as far as my opinion goes, I think there were enough changes that the things... It, it's gonna bring enough freshness. I don't know if that's the goal, really, is to make the game different every month, you know? We need to find a, a healthy place to be and continually enable that healthy place to continue. We just haven't ever been there in a long time. Uh-huh. So we, we keep throwing in things to change it completely... And that is interesting for a little while, and I'm interested to play, and I want to see everything. I have a, I have Bacon's reservations about Bioluminary being a little dominant right now. But other than that, the things that I hated, they're gone. Will that mean there'll be new things I hate? Sure. So um, we really <laughs> need to find a place where there's a... We need a center for, like, Skyweaver, some... Thing. Okay, this is a balanced game. Now let's get funky with it. Now let's add, take away, do things. But uh, there's no, there's no balanced core to Skyweaver. So when they throw out 28 changes and six, five new cards, 24 changes, five new cards, like it's changing so much, and each little change has cascading effects, and we're further away from. A stable meta which is something that you know we were working towards when we were just patching six cards to 12 cards a patch and then everyone got mad and said they wanted buffs and i think this patch does a good job of mixing buffs with nerfs and giving more changes and i really think that that's a good direction to go and i think that this patch specifically did the buffs and nerfs thing really well for them like maybe one was too much and one was too little and maybe that has a lot of impact but um Overall, I think that there just needs to be a a real effort to sit down and go like, okay, let's make the game make sense, and then we can fuck with it. Yeah. yeah. I also want to mention Sudden Gust is broken, dude. Sudden Gust is a card I really hate, but is it broken? I, <laughs> um, yeah. Off of Gus and... Trinketeer and oh, Gato? having main deck it and uh, Gato, yeah, sorry. Um, oh yes, yes, just, I hate Gato. It, it it it's it can people can play it three or four times and then it, it's pretty much you don't have a hand most most decks especially without control being much of a thing. You know you don't have four extra cards to miss out on, and we had the sudden gust problem which was huge. Back in Gato Banjo days, now I just feel like Sudden Gust is coming back. And the reason is someone was really smart, and someone did what people weren't doing, and they played around with cards that weren't being played, and they found out it worked. People saw it, they copied the deck, and now people are having the idea, what if I throw in Sudden Gust? What if I throw in Gato? And they're just starting to do it, and we're starting to see a problem. So I, I think that's just my opinion, and maybe I'm just mean and naysay and never want any problems to exist but i feel like sudden gust is going to be annoying people soon yeah as much as i would love to agree 
the big hole in that series is that it's very easy for an agility deck to run, I don't know, play Zoe, run Homebrew, and then just sit on Blitz, watch them spend all of their mana to shuffle away your hand and go, okay, <laughs> cool, I'm going to draw three cards now, and then play Drillbot. <laughs> okay, or, you know, they whisk away your Blitz. Well, yeah, but then, or like, I sudden went... gust away your Blitz. Well, yeah, but, like, you know, then I went plus with a... Well, I mean, you can't really go plus on Sun and Gust, but, like, you beat that deck on Tempo. It's just problematic, and and a specific situation where you get a benefit where you have to play two or three cards to counter a three-cost card is a little insane. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good numbers card, but, like, I mean, it, it just moves numbers around. That's kind of it. I was just throwing that in as my little bonus at the end. I think we're done, guys. That's the blank handle uh, soapbox. That's my blank handle soapbox for this week. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Sorry we missed last week. We won't do it again ever. Um, hopefully. Never. <laughs> Have a, we will miss yeah, not never, a single I, I mean, session. We're going to actually double it up. We're going to do a podcast a day. I don't think even I want to hear myself that much. <laughs> <laughs> that can't be true. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a wonderful day, night, and life.